It's the Loose Filter Podcast, and I'm your host, Stuart Sims. This is episode 109, Exploring Timbre. In this episode, Lisette, Dave, and I have a conversation about timbre, which is the quality of a sound. We talk about timbre not just in music, but in sound more generally, what it is and how it occurs as a, a, a phenomenon physically. How is it produced? How is it created and, and uh, uh, changed? Uh, we, we discuss how the human voice creates and manipulates timbre uh, and how that's meaningful. We talk about uh, electronic synthesizers and how they create and manipulate timbre and what that reveals about how sound uh, occurs uh, acoustically in, in, as a physical property. Um, we talk about how that figures in music and music making uh, and in human culture uh, more generally. I'm really excited about this episode. It was a really fun and interesting conversation to have. I learned a lot from what uh, Lisette and Dave had to offer on this subject. It's something they've both, for different reasons, thought quite deeply about. And I think you'll enjoy it a great deal. Uh, whether it's something that you've thought a lot about and have a lot of experience with, or if you've never uh, considered timbre, the quality of sounds, as a specific thing before. This, I think, will be a really fascinating introduction for you and will turn you on to something that's going on around you all the time that you will really enjoy being attuned to. We also have, uh, it, it uh, features some fun uh, interstitial music that are uh, examples of music that kind of illustrate uh, things that we were talking about in the conversation, and it's uh, a quite eclectic mix of really terrific music. The listing of and links to those um, uh, pieces of music can be found online at loosefilter.com uh, uh, on this with, along with this podcast. Our podcast feed can be found uh, on SoundCloud or iTunes, and... Um, uh, as always, we'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback at uh, loosefilter at gmail.com. Uh, without any further delay, here is Exploring Timbre. Why did you make that face? <laughs> That's my start recording face. Now I feel confused. I don't even remember what this episode is Where about. Where are we? <laughs> what, what, right, who are you people? This is, this is a great intro. This is the best intro. This is We Are Professionals. It's the Loose Filter Podcast, and I am your host, Stuart Sims, here with my co-hosts. Hi, everybody. I'm Lisette Kuneidenberg. And this is Dave Gant. This is Dave Gant. You always say your name so fast. It's two syllables. I, well, th- wouldn't that make you want to dwell a little no, bit? No, I like it to be two Dave impacts. Gant. No, no. Say it Dave with a little bit of Gant. drama. Get Dave out, Gant. Get out there. Two very Dave tiny Gant. events. It's like, a, it's like you hurt So what are we, what are we talking about here? Yeah, what are we oh, talking about today? Pod, yeah, a co- contrary to what you might think, it's Why not am about I in this how room? Dave says his name. Apparently it is. Apparently that's what we're, we're going for. Well, I guess you, kind of in a way. It's about how we all say our names. Actually, yeah, this episode is a little bit about that. So this episode, um, uh, I, I don't know if we decided on a name. We, we talked about exploring timbre, but it is about timbre in sound and especially in musical sound. And if you're not familiar with that word, it's spelled T-I-M-B-R-E, not like you would expect it to. Timbre. Timbre. So timbre. And uh, the, the easiest definition of timbre, I think there are two ways to define it and the first one is it's the characteristic or quality of a sound and uh, the other one would be to define it by what it isn't which is to say it's not uh, frequency and it's not amplitude except for when it is but we'll talk about that later (laughs) right but generally speaking when you take out the highness or lowness of a sound and the loudness of a sound everything else you're talking about is that sound's timbre Mm -hmm. yes all right it's sort of a yeah it's like every element of a sound that's not its pitch or its its loudness is is its timbre and so 
and this is significant, uh, not just before we start talking about it, like in maybe specifically musical contexts. Timbre is really fundamental to, you know, our organism. The, one of the first skills a human infant acquires is recognizing its mother's voice. So, yeah, so the, kind of the idea that we're really looking at here is like what what makes up the quality of a sound? When you pick up the phone and it's your mom, how do you know it's your mom? You don't see them. You don't you can't read lips. I mean, how do you know that that is your mother you can you can tell just by one word a hello you can tell less than that even yeah sometimes less um so what what is it about sound that allows us to kind of piece it apart that way and we can get a lot more specific and we can talk about you know what defines one instrument from another or you know it's it's surprising how how detailed a sound can be Mm -hmm. so um I'll just jump in here. Yeah. So we, we've talked about what sound is in, in our previous podcast about sound is signal of sound. And it, what it is, it's a, it's a wave. It's a mechanical wave. Pressure wave, yeah. And yeah. Um, waves have, have different shapes. And the shape of a wave is going to change its constituents. Did you want to talk about um, the overtones right now? Or? Oh, well, okay. So Because so, I want to get into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, yeah, you're our detail guy. Dave's I, our detail, I'm guy. detail guy. I'm going to be the shallow water guy, and then I'm going to hand it off to Lisette and Dave. And I'm chilling over here in the uh, deep end of the uh, Because Dave, with his interests... Consider me a lazy river. <laughs> with his interests in uh, 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 sound synthesis and, and, and uh, um, uh, uh, you know... Uh, electronic sound noises. production and noises, noises and so forth and Lisette's expertise in voice in the human voice in the ways that we our our physical organism evolved to produce and manipulate such a wide variety of timbres uh, I really I really do want to kind of play a little bit when we get to that part of the podcast the oh useful, we will the episode I should say the the useful idiot but while we're in the shallow end of the pool uh, the the way that I thought it would be clear to kind of frame um, what what timbre is like how you in a literal sense get different qualities of sound because it's it's not actually an easy answer to such a common phenomenon so if you you know if you just think about anybody listening now what what like mechanically physically what happens so that my voice you can tell that it's me talking or dave talking or lisette talking hi i'm stuart (laughs) You, I'm not very convincing. I'm right, sorry, exactly. Guys. So most uh, of you... Wait, I thought that was Stuart. <laughs> I'm totally fooled. So I'm guessing everyone listening not only knew that wasn't me, but you probably correctly identified that that was Lisette imitating me. So very sophisticated, all of us, whether we know it or not, are super, super sophisticated at our ability to distinguish, to understand, to recognize, and to manipulate all these the qualities and the characteristics of a sound. So I wanted to just wade into the shallow end of we got the water wingies on of talking about how that like actually happens, what that phenomenon is by using a pretty simple metaphor of an X and a Y axis, like a vertical and a horizontal axis to talk about the two basic components of timbre and the vertical axis is they're both envelopes. We both describe them as envelopes. So the vertical envelope of a sound is is these different parts of the frequency, of the vibration itself. It's the range of how high and low it will go. Exactly. And because one single sound is actually many sounds at once, and we'll mm-hmm. unpack that in a second. But when you hear... One one pitch, or or somebody says one word, or, or you hear one you know frequency basically you're not just hearing one thing you're hearing a whole world just inside that that uh, bit um uh so so the the vertical qualities of that frequency those frequencies is the first part of timbre and then the horizontal part of timbre is the temporal the, envelope the temporal envelope right exactly how it goes in time or the time envelope you heard so how how the sound begins what the middle of it is like and what the ending is like exactly and And there are various parameters that change on those exactly and there are four main parts to that horizontal envelope and so i kind of wanted to talk about those first uh if that's cool with you guys yeah and then dive into the the vertical part the frequency part and then we can go like further into the deep waters sounds fun
part one, I guess, of this conversation, looking at the time envelope or the temporal envelope, it has four parts. It's called the ADSR envelope, and each of those four letters refers to four parts. And this is a real reductive sense. I know this makes you real fidgety, Dave. It does. Because, I'm fidgeting right because now. Because you have, you have a much deeper and nuanced understanding of these things, but... Uh, just tell me if I get, you know, in, in my reductionist uh, uh, explanation, if I get anything wrong. Okay. If I leave out a lot of details, that's okay for now. We're, we'll spiral. We'll come back to it. But in a basic sense, you can think of the uh, parts of a sound as it occurs through time as having these four parts. The attack. So what's the beginning of it like? Like the time, how long does it take, and what's its characteristic? And you right, you can describe it in a lot of ways, like in in the acoustic music world, in the concert music world, where Lisette and I mostly live, is uh, you can talk about like sharp attacks, sharp, sharp and short attacks, or mm-hmm. dull, flat attacks, or heavy attacks, uh, heavy and pointed, or heavy or and slow. flat, or slow attacks, or gentle attack, or you know, there are all these different ways that ways we, to start a sound to start a sound, mm-hmm. right? And it has to do with with the uh, um, the the characteristic of it and how long it takes, right? And then the second part of it is connected to the attack, but it's the decay. So what ha- what happens in between the initiation of the sound and the sustain of the sound, right? And, yeah. And and if it's like a sharp short attack, there's going to be a, an obvious decay, and then the middle of the tone may go and so forth. So there's that part, and then there's the middle of the note, the sustain. There are all kinds of different sustains you can have. And then there's the release. And there are all kinds of different releases that you can have. And it's funny because in the <coughs> this, this verbiage really came about in the last, what, uh, half century or so as we started working with sound in a, a, a physical way, you know, in yeah. recorded mediums, especially in the digital realm, but um, or in the computer realm, I should say, Um, um but the uh, concepts go back much further than that because when I'm teaching, you know, a conducting class or uh, Lissette, I know when we, we talk about basic tone production on wind instruments, including the voice, this is we break it down this way. Like the sound has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and you have to think about every single one of those every pieces. single part and what you want them to do, and they're all used expressively. Um, so that's that's like the horizontal part. Mm-hmm. And then we have basically the vertical uh, envelope, envelope, shall we say, which goes into kind of the frequency, how high or low is the range of the entire sound. So what are kind of like the peak moments um, in terms of of, of the frequencies that that we get? But within a sound, there isn't just a single frequency. There are multiple things happening. Um, and that kind of makes it a little more complicated. Yeah. And I just wanted to, to interject a little bit here just to say, like when you say or how high or low it goes, you're not talking about like the range of an instrument, whereas like what notes are low. We're talking about how each sound contains within it multiple frequencies at varying volumes or amplitudes. Right. Um, and the, and like if I took a snapshot of that sound, yeah. like I would make a mark at the top wave and the bottom wave right. at their uh, lowest or highest pre- points. Pre- pre- yeah, yes. not the overall range yeah. of whatever instrument or exactly. thing is making the Just sound. Just wanted to be clear on that. Yeah, no, that's yeah, a good so, thing. So, so backing up one step to a little bit to uh, uh, how sound occurs is that, uh, like uh, Dave mentioned at the top of the uh, conversation, and we talked about a couple of episodes in the Sound to Signal episode uh, a couple of episodes ago, when you, 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 you produce a vibration to generate a sound and that, that vibration, the, the, the pressure wave it creates in the air is we describe that as a frequency and fast or slow determines the highness or lowness. The way that sound works in the physical world though, is that no single frequency travels alone. It it creates like a, uh, you know, like a pebble hitting still water. It creates these ripples in the air around it that occur at predictable ratios Mm -hmm. around, above and below, like Lissette said, that uh, original source vibration, wherever that frequency is. If you know of the idea of like the golden mean, it's kind of a similar 
idea in terms of like a predictable ratio. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. you find occurring in nature over All and over again. All the time, again. yeah. So any frequency, any vibration that is produced in the physical world sort of radiates vibrations higher and lower than itself in these predictable proportions or ratios. Yeah. Okay, so the fundamental is the lowest frequency. It's the frequency that's produced. And then there are uh, all, like we said, these like uh, ripples, these sympathetic vibrations mm-hmm. that are set off, the ones that are whole number multiples of the fundamental times two, times three, times four, are called harmonics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are all these others, and collectively they're all partials. Right. They're, they're part of the, because they're part of the frequency spectrum that is activated by this fundamental, right? Right. So there's there's the fundamental that you hear and also the set of overtones that occur above it. Yes, yes, exactly. There's all these partials because every sound is made up of a bunch of sine waves, basically. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And so uh, 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 like with, with musical instruments, what's interesting is that one of the primary characteristics that gives them different sounds, the reason that you can tell an oboe from a trumpet from a violin, is that the dominant frequency that you're hearing may not be the fundamental. It's going to be one of those harmonics. So, for instance, the flute, you know, that we all the transverse, the sideways flute that you, you, know, you see in the orchestra and the band, uh, its dominant frequency, what you're actually hearing, is an octave above the fundamental. How's that for trippy? So flute players think they're, you know, what they're actually hearing and manipulating is is a little bit by remote control because they're not really manipulating the frequency that they're perceiving because the frequency you perceive is an octave above the one that's the fundamental that's generating all this stuff. But that's what gives it its characteristic sound. It's kind of the same thing that like a tube and throat singer will do. They they are are moving around the bottom note to move around a note above it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of they're like, producing an extremely low note, and but then, then emphasizing one, one of the, the high notes. Tones. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Emphasizing through resonance. Yeah. yeah. Like one of the higher. And, and we'll get to that in the, in the spectral. How envelope. you how you can do that. Uh. So so those two variables in a in a elementary sense at least, um, explain how like a little bit of the mechanics of this quality of sound that we're talking about and how, you know, like our listeners can tell one of our voices from the other or any sound from any other sound. Right, right. The spectral envelope and the time envelope or temporal envelope and, you know, how they interact. So, like, that's part one. So that's what I have to contribute. So I'm going to hand it off now to Dave and Lissette, and I'm excited to see where they go with this. into part two I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about the human body and sound and how important timbre is in terms of of just human communication and interaction and how incredible our body is when it comes to both taking in sound and creating sound um so we kind of have two in in my idea kind of two magical places in the human body um okay this is getting a little odd. okay Only can two? I take that can I take that back okay so the first one that I think is pretty pretty awesome is is the ear and how intricate of of a, a thing it really is. Um, and so without going into too too much detail, um, the the ear kind of it gets hit by air and and the waves moving through the air, and so it vibrates your eardrum. And so this vibration moves all the way in through all of these little like tissues and bones and stuff and 
it's kind of like a magic school bus ride into the, the ear. Can, you have to come with me. Membrane. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and it finally ends up in your inner ear where you have this kind of liquid area and these hairs that basically are connected to individual neurons in your brain. And so as the vibrations come in and move that liquid and move each of those hairs around, depending on what qualities of the sound there are and how that vibration is moving, it will activate different hairs in that liquid kind of like a code and that will send the signal to your brain helping you identify so it then reaches your auditory cortex in your brain and it can kind of put together that code so these hairs got vibrated in this way Mm -hmm. and so now i know that it's this kind of sound so okay okay but our organism can can parse and process this complexity of the spectral envelope and because there are specialized like there are there are like what millions of these hairs and they're all specialized each one and it takes only 60 milliseconds for a human to successfully identify a timbre yeah because it's hitting these hairs and the, and each hair is so specialized well, that the like the, there's a, there's not I, I used to think that there was a hair for every frequency in the spectrum now nah, that would be too that would be that's ridiculous impossible. but uh, i would say a smaller subset but but there let's is. say and, one and is vibrating extremely but then there's another that's like a subtone in between those two hairs exactly. one so then two it has next to, to each other would be kind of vibrating yeah. just, on a gets, lower level. It gets different, uh, yeah, different depending on which set hairs dynamic. are excited at different times and the ratio of excitation between them. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. I and our we brain weren't. is able to parse all of this information. I just want to dwell on that yeah. for a second. Like, like, And we know it can because we manipulate it, right? Like I'm sitting here manipulating my voice right now. And, so and like, if you really like want to blow your mind, remember are... that nothing sounds like anything. Like sound as, like, as the qualia that, that we accept it as. That, that we experience Qual- entirely is the, the thing you experience yeah. from a stimulus. It's our so. interpretation yeah. of yeah. these waves. And yeah. it's lovely. It's just it's how awesome. our organism involves. That's why music yeah. is so great. And I think why we all love it so much. Even a, a small baby it learns its mother's voice very quickly. And so our ears, even from the beginning, are extraordinary. Which is parsing an incredibly complex amount, phenomenon. Amount of information. You, learn, you know. Yeah. Like, like before you even learn the difference between self and other, you know, and long before you learn like, you know, object permanence. I mean, things that are like we think are just super essential basic concepts that small humans have to learn. You know, infants are doing this this incredibly complex timbral discrimination to know uh, even before and you don't even can, realize it's happening. They can focus on their mother's even before their eyes are able to focus on their mother's faces. They'll lock in on their voices, yeah. which kind of leads me to then how incredible the human voice is um, in terms of, of what kind of a tool it is in creating sound. So this process of making sound begins when the when the air comes up from the lungs through your vocal folds, um, which sit right below your epiglottis, uh, which is kind of what closes up things so you don't have you know water going into your lungs and that kind of that's happy good. stuff. Um, that's good, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, and so unlike a lot of people think, we don't have vocal cords. We have vocal folds. And so they do these two um, kind of, they look kind of like flaps. Where did the cords thing come from? Did we just not have... A way to take a good enough look. You know, I'd imagine combination of guesswork and uh, the fact that most instruments well, work with chords. Well, I think it was kind of from a, from a string theory. I guess you could say not the string theory, but it was <laughs> like the idea that that strings create vibration, and so that we had to have oh, some sort okay, of string okay. that. So they're actually to... folds of tissue. Exactly, um, and so they they vibrate together with the air coming up through it, which creates our fundamental. And then as it goes through the musculature um, and the, all of the resonating space and articulators that we have so basically like my mouth and my nose and what affects my tongue or my palate or my teeth may like have your sinuses exactly your sinuses involved and all of those spaces that that air will travel through all can impact the quality of that sound and so by just manipulating those spaces or my articulators i can change the qualities of my sound because with each of those spaces comes its own set of overtones so once i create a sound um my because we have a mechanism that is flexible and changeable in very small ways um we we are able to manipulate that sound Mm -hmm. whereas for instance like an an instrument is more fixed it is a solid thing and so you can't really manipulate those sound so you mean like i i literally can use the the muscles inside my throat and 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 jaw and mouth and so forth to redirect where 
inside my throat and head, this my voice is resonating exactly. Like, and so like when I, I I intuitively point it in different directions to manipulate or let something rise the, a little higher, bring something down a little because bit because you're manipulating the resonating space. You're manipulating what overtones speak loudly or more loudly or how or the waves loudly, will hit those resonating walls or how the time envelope will like the first part of that time envelope is going to be manipulated in different ways yeah, and, and what's like- incredible is much like with our hearing your brain can make these alterations and you don't even realize that it's happening so think of for example someone who's really good at like impressions or impersonations we say um, they have a good or, ear for or have like incredible character acting voices you know I, I think of like Looney Tunes for instance and just yeah. people who have just incredible abilities to manipulate their voice to make a wide variety of different sounds often that sound radically different from that person person's just normal standard speaking voice uh so that's like the like like uh mel blank the 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 voice behind all the so many of the looney tunes uh characters uh was like that was one of the ways that he was a genius is that his brain could perform these i mean also the work i mean the literal he was in shape for his muscles to be able to do these things right i assume that's part of it uh the literal physical fitness but um but i also he would have to have like somehow there's some combination of things in his brain that made him a genius at manipulating and, right this, and really this talented beatboxers are are very similar i mean same the, kind of intelligence. exactly same manipulation of the same tools it's just you they are manipulating more of the articulators the lips the teeth the tongue and and someone who's doing voices or interpretation or impersonations are manipulating more of those resonating spaces So if I could relate this back to some of the stuff we were talking about. So basically what's happening here is that your your vocal folds are producing a, a fundamental frequency that's rich in those overtones. And then we use parts of our mouth and our throat to emphasize certain ones of those uh, of those partials to create different vowel sounds. And then we use our our other parts of our faces to make add like noise like elements like a P sound has that. Or a or a yeah, so yeah, so there's kind of the source of the sound where your folds are and where all those muscles lie yeah. that can move your and then folds the around. Like the resonators that you move around are selecting specific ones of those uh, of those partials of your fundamental that you created to change vowel sounds and stuff like that. Yeah, right? to send out of your face basically. Yeah. And that's you know they, there's there's something that like will blow your mind if you hadn't thought about it before. Vowels. That's just timbral manipulation, yeah. right? A E A E. That was the same volume and the same frequency. I mean, it had a slight change in frequency, but not a huge change mm-hmm. in frequency. Well, it's kind of writing on that each vowel has has a range of frequencies, right? So I could go, which makes it even crazier. I have a I have a chart of them on my computer, right? So so all those all the that's all just timbral manipulation. So that's that's what we do to get the the sound like out of our head and. And in both ways, both with our ear and with our voice, it it blows my mind that the mind can do so much without us even realizing that it's happening. It is all just involuntary, done through the brain, through all of these tiny, tiny little pieces of information that our brain can process so quickly and and it just it shocks such me a fine degree that's mm-hmm. that's the, degree the, the extent uh, uh, to which sound can be detailed that we can interpret sound in detail and that we can create sound in detail um is just it is endlessly fascinating to me um and is why i continue to study the human voice and it's it's uh you know if if you're listening to this podcast and this is all new to you it may seem like wow this is a little bit an overwhelming amount of information this is a lot to think about but 
what's amazing is that all of us are geniuses at manipulate. We all know this. I like this podcast. On some this guy level. tells me I'm a genius. Yeah, everybody's a genius. Uh, but it's true. Uh, uh, we, we, we all, all human beings manipulate sound in these really sophisticated, and perceive it and, and interpret it and decode it uh, in, in these really brilliant and that's just, you know, the sounds we make like at the moment with our voice, but then you expand it to the machines that we have invented, musical instruments of a variety of kinds, and et cetera, to expand our expressive palette, the kinds of sounds we can make and the ways we can make them behave. And and it's like really there's this brilliant genius ability we all share that's invisible. And you don't have to parse it at all. You're, but you're going to use it every day. Yeah. Every single one of us. Everybody listening to this, if this is all new to you and you're thinking, oh my God, this is complicated and I've never even thought about it. But your your brain has <laughs> every day from the moment you can, before you even came into the world. Well, and it, it's why it feels so different in your voice if you're speaking just like this or if I'm speaking up here. Right, see there, she's voice. manipulating overtones. Yeah. That's not the fundamental. So, she's not so, so, and it's why when you are using that upper register, your resonating spaces, how I lift my soft palate or things like that, make far more of an impact than when I'm using my lower register. Whereas when you're using that lower register, the way that you, when I was talking about those small muscles that kind of influence the folds themselves, those are far more important. Um, so it just kind of depends on where in that register that the manipulation can sometimes matter more. to talk about for my portion was uh, just to reiterate some of these concepts we talked about and I brought along a little toy a little device that was gonna help me do it I brought a synthesizer um, the so magic could... of the synthesizer <laughs> synthesizer yeah it's, it's, it's a little one because it would fit in my car that way um, but I wanted to use it to reiterate or to demonstrate some of these concepts we were talking about because what would be better for it than a machine that is designed to make timbres so when we're talking about timbres, hopefully you've, you've caught that part of it is the, um, the partial content, where you hear the fundamental, there's lots of partials over that that are part of the wave. Um, That's that vertical complexity yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Fourier was a, uh, discovered the theorem that you could d divide any wave into an infinite series of sine waves, and that's what we're talking about is those sine waves that are part of the, the wave. Um, and then also the transients, uh, like you were talking about the ADSR envelope. Those are those momentary portions of sound that can be changed, and they can have a very, even though they're very brief, they can have a dramatic effect on the so sound. So they're generically called, those aspects are called transients? That's, that's the word I use. That's the word a lot of people use, um, because uh, envelope can describe different things. And usually it's, uh, an envelope is more referring to a controller, um, and the transients right, right, are right. aspects of the sound when we're describing sound more in general. Um, so the synth that I brought along with me today is based on analog synthesis, but it's a digital synth. It, it emulates it. And you said uh, you said a synthesizer. That's just a device that manipulates timbre. Is that really like sort of fundamentally? That's what a synthesizer is. That's what it does. I mean, certainly to me. I mean, it's a musical instrument that you can control, but what you're controlling is is pitch, amplitude, and timbre. And what it's designed for is to custom design timbres uh, to your liking. Um, when we talk about analog modeling synthesis, we're basically using very harmonically rich waves. Now, these don't have non-harmonic content, those, uh, those inharmonic partials we're talking about. It's primarily composed of, um, of harmonic partials. So this and is then, like octaves, fifths, those exactly. kinds of things. Exactly. These whole number multiples. Yeah, these whole number... Uh, of the fundamental. Yes, and so there's a few basic waves for these, and the waves that we use are main, made <laughs> designed this way mostly because you could make electronic... Uh, 
com circuitry components that would make these waves, these oscillators. So the first wave I'm going to use right here, and I'm not going to like play anything too complex for you or really even play any music. I just wanted to demonstrate. This is called a saw wave. That's bright and buzzy. And is that, so when you say kind of wave, you mean the way that that's, that sounds um, uh, spectral envelope, that vertical part is manipulated? Well, it's, it's the actual single cycle waveform. So I'm hitting, an, let's hit an A440 here. So 440 times a second, there's a wave that looks like a sawtooth or a ramp. Um, where the the um, the voltage goes up instantaneously and then it sinks back down, or vice versa, depends on what kind of <laughs> circuitry you've got. Um, they sound the same; they just have a phase. Difference. So the quote unquote shape of the wave, yeah, is of is a velocity thing. Well, it's 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 going through the the waveform is cyclical, so it repeats itself every every uh, right whatever your fundamental times per second is yeah. your fundamental, and so the the voltage goes up. And then it drops down to zero, up, so drops down to zero. So it's basically just zero. messing with how the wave oscillates. Yeah, it's it's called an oscillator. Can we go. do that in acoustic space? Can we control the sound wave to that degree? Um, where it's a direct control. Like, could I create a sawtooth wave acoustically? Well, actually, what funny thing about a sawtooth wave is that no true sawtooth wave can possibly exist because it would require infinite energy. Um, because you know how I cool. said the, the voltage goes up instantaneously? That's not possible. Uh, speakers can't produce that. Oper operational amplifiers can't do that. So when we're so talking we about an approximation, it's an of approximation of But can I make that approximation in acoustic space? Or is that something you can only do with the, with the really minute control that voltage allows you? Um, not, well, I mean, a, a sawtooth is, is, uh, has a lot of similarities to the sound produced by a violin, for example. I mean, when we do s string synthesis, uh, it, it has a very similar uh, spectral envelope like <laughs> to a saw wave but with variations and another more intricate content than we can produce so, with, so, so simply. Is that, is that, okay, so is that one of the things that uh, contributes to timbre in the, in, you know, before we had synthesis, sound synthesis, and um, you know, electronically produced sounds. Well, I mean, this is just. Uh, is, so what have I? I mean, I mean, what I guess what I'm asking is, do say acoustic instruments manipulate the shape of the sound wave like in ways that synthesizers do? Actually, yeah, um, because well, I mean, a synthesizer has. There's more than one way to synthesize. There are ways of synthesizing with pre-recorded samples and, and modifying those. Um, there's additive synthesis where you actually just, you set the amplitudes of different partials um, like we've been talking about, but this is a subtractive synthesis, synthesizer primarily. Um, and the way that you modify it is by cutting off portions of it, right? So we've got this. So it's a subtract, so this synthesizer works by generating a, a wave. Mm-hmm. And that wave is rich and then, harmonically. Okay, so and then so and then it, it takes away parts of it. Yeah, and that's how it modifies the sound. Yeah, kind we've of got or we've got like a, a low pass filter which will cut things above a certain point off at a. At that's a one of the ways to modify. Yeah, it. we've got a high pass filter which does the exact opposite. There's a band pass filter where you just pick a region in the middle, and then since you have two filters, you can work with them together to uh, like make a notch. Uh, of what's uh, available to you. So, um, so play the sawtooth, just the the plain sawtooth wave again. Okay, and now what I'm going to do is so I'm... so hold on. What am I listening for that's distinctive that I might be able to identify if I just heard the tone? I'd be like, oh, that's a sawtooth wave. As opposed to what other kind of waves are there? Well, I mean, if you want to hear some other waves that I can produce right can now. Can we real quick and then yeah. go back to how you would modify the Okay, sawtooth. so the sawtooth wave is this one. We've got... This is a square wave, which is a type of pulse wave, and it's it's what it sounds like. The, the waveform looks squarish. 
And do you hear how hollow that kind of sounds? Yeah. Well, what makes me think of like video game. Yeah. And, and there's a reason why Boy, that really? makes you yeah. think of video games. Okay. And that's because a square can be pr- produced with a digital sound generator that's very basic because it's on or off. Well, there you go. So it doesn't need to make that slope. And that's why it's a square wave. Yeah. What's cool about it is it's also a pulse wave. So you can change the pulse width. And I'll tell you what this is doing later. But you can just hear it right now. So you go from this like open kind of clarinetty sound if you if you animate it properly, all the way to this like more oboe kind of sound where it's really thin and nasal. Okay, so so now that there's a sawtooth wave, there's a square, square or pulse wave, pulse wave, and then um, let's see what else I got here. There's a triangle which no one ever uses because it's super boring. That is, that's really dull and kind yeah. of muffled sound. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I will tell you what these things are in just a moment. And then there's a sine wave, which is pure. That's just your regular roundy up and down wave. It has no harmonic content. There's no overtone content. That's just the frequency of oh, the fundamental. Oh, this is so. This was present. yeah. Okay, so this is an artificial only, fundamental only. Nothing sound. really makes a sine wave other than tinnitus. <laughs> okay, so let's hear a sine wave, then a sawtooth wave, then a square wave. Sine. Sawtooth. Square. Okay. Okay. So I'm not going to mess with them any since we since you wanted to talk about oscillators for a second there. I'm going to tell you what's in that. So a sawtooth um, wave, the the partials that are present are all the integer multiples of the fundamental frequency. Say that right? again. Integer multiples of the so fundamental times frequency. whole numbers. Exactly. Times two times three times four. The amplitudes of all of these. The amplitude being the volume. The the, ampl- the volumes of all of the um, these overtones are the r- ratio of like so if if the fundamental is 100 hertz let's say and its volume will say is zero decibels um, the <laughs> the amplitude of the second harmonic is one over over n so so if we, we n is the amplitude of the fundamental the second harmonic is n over two. So it's at half the amplitude. The, fun, the, the amplitude of the third harmonic, it's present, but it's at one-third of the amplitude. Well, and we're extremely so the, perceptive to those alterations. Mm-hmm. For instance, with only altering four decibels in, in a mid or high um, overtone, a, a human ear can perceive a change in timbre. Yeah. Or if it's on the, the lowest uh, uh, fundamental, it, it can be 10 decibels of difference, and you can pick up the timbral changes. Yeah. And so it's an invor it's an inverse uh, relationship then. Yeah. As the as the frequency is multiplied, the amplitude, the volume is divided by what is divided by the same amount it's multiplied by. Exactly. And we can perceive as little as four decibels change in the, in, in the in overtones. the overtones register. Yeah, in the upper, the human ear will pick the mid, up a, high, a change in the quality of the sound. Yeah, four decibels of alteration okay. will change a timbre. Okay. Um, the the square wave or the pulse wave, more more properly, um, that when it's at fifty percent, and it's, at, it's called a pulse wave because it's on off on off. Yeah. And the square wave has a we we call it a pulse wave with a duty cycle of fifty percent. <laughs> duty. Or one half. D U T Y. Because it's on half the time. Yeah, duty. Okay. <laughs> Like you do oh, your duty. Okay. Um because it goes on and off at e- regular intervals. Right. Therefore fifty percent of its time. Yeah, or or one half. Okay. So when it's at one where that duty cycle is one over two, it's missing all the <laughs> it's missing every second harmonic. So it's uh, so when it's in that a square wave, um Okay, it, okay, so it's missing every second harmonic. So if our fundamental is a hundred, yeah, it has there's 200 no, there's nothing there 
at 200. It's missing every second. Yeah. Okay, so there's nothing at 200, but there's a 300. Yeah, and then the the amplitude of that one is still the 1 over 3 relative to the fundamental. Okay. Right? And then... The fourth harmonic is also missing. It's missing, so then the fifth one is there, but it's at yeah. one-fifth So it's kind of like how our, our the hairs in our ear kind of pick up sounds. Every other hair will sometimes get vibrated, right. or every third hair, every fourth hair. And yeah, it's only vibrating out. certain hairs. And so it's removing part of the overtones. Yeah. Well, it's not removing because it was never present, but it's only it's producing right. it's not half. generating, right. But it's what's not cool generating. about when I move that knob that made that, that weird sound, which is my favorite... Uh, subtractive synthesizer sound that, that pulse width modulation is what we call it um, it's changing what harmonics are present so if we're at a duty cycle of 1 over 3 so it's on a third of the time or vice versa they sound the same they just have a phase difference um, it's changing the amount of on relative to the amount right. of off well exactly. and an easy way to In... think about it is that if I were to make an impression of that sound I would do it by doing a single pitch and changing the vowel shape Oh, yeah, kind of gets like that. If I just imitate it, that's That's, it. Goes exactly back to what we were talking about before with just so I can intuitively organically do what this 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 um, synthesizer is doing. So okay, so if we imagine our one over two square wave, like if I imagined it visually, it would be like a line that's moving past, Mm -hmm. and at equal intervals, it would pop up a square. It would go on, up, off, and then down. On, off, on, on off, off, on, yeah. off, on. So then, if 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 I if I turn that knob, the mm-hmm. what did you call it? The what filter? It's, it's well, no, it's the pulse width modulation. Oh, the oh, the I'm sorry, the pulse width modulation. Yeah. So it's going to change how wide those squares would be. Exactly. So how much of the on is there, and then of Versus course that would affect off. how much of the off is there. So more on, yeah. less off, less on, more yeah. off. Yeah, and if it's if it's on. 25% of the time and off 75% of the time or off 25% of the time and on 75 it sounds the same. So so that's not a worry. Okay. <laughs> um but so they're like the ratios will cycle to where they would line up again. Yeah, well, it's it, it just it doesn't sound any different because what's what's produced yeah, okay. is exactly the same. Okay. And then so what's happening is that that modulator by changing the width of the the, the pulse width. The pulse yeah. width. Yeah, the width it. of the pulse. Um um it is changing the harmonic it's content. changing the heart oh, uh, what's happening above that fundamental those well what's those happening ripples is that we that, talked about at the very beginning so when we're at 50 percent or one half it's on half the time it's missing every second harmonic right if it's on one third of the time it's missing every third, every third harmonic. And so we get a new timbre and so as we slowly move that we're like all those harmonic the harmonic content is changing it's going to everything in between those so this is a demonstration of the phenomenon that we talked about at the top of the conversation. Right. This is exactly what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, okay, so let's hear it again. Let me hear it again. <laughs> a little more pulse width modulation. And it's like up here, it sounds really oboey, right? And or or bassoony when you get down down over here. But it sounds best when you do this. You know, you guess you get to hear everything in between. So those are the basic waves we're working with. The triangle wave is similar to a sawtooth, except that um, each of those, it's uh, the second harmonic is like at, at a quarter of the volume, so everything dies off a lot more quickly. Probably the reason subtractive synthesis is so popular because it's very intuitive. Uh, you don't have to you worry twirl about the knob math. and hear what it yeah. does. And I didn't yeah. know, like when I started playing with this, I didn't know what. These, unlike the math, so the sound was yeah, yeah the sound was the. The draw. math wasn't my primary concern. I had to learn that later, just because I was like, "What's going on here?" Um, I, I think it's interesting as a historical aside. This was in my brain. I wanted it to add it at some point in this episode because it's appropriate. Um, uh, I think the the electronic instrument age has certainly um, intensified our our use and focus on timbre as an expressive component of musical sound but uh it was prior to that it's the composer claude debussy who really riveted our interest on it with his uh you know like he said the century of aeroplanes deserves its own music since none exists i will create a new and he became god debussy's so cool he is and he he became fascinated with timbre as a primary element of musical creative expressive 
you know, uh, content uh, to uh, you know the, yeah. the tool to, to be. Which is why you know he was such a perfect fit in the impressionism movement because he really just thought about the what the sound evoked, not necessarily the the nuts and bolts creating the piece. It was more like how it was hitting the listener, right. and a lot of people didn't conceptualize music that way. Right. At right. The time. And I personally think that that timbre um, is primarily what's ex- what excites us and in a lot of our musical experience. Um, we what? we kind of know what notes we want to hear. I mean, like, uh, and we don't we don't necessarily insist on a huge variety no, of them. No, but if you keep a lot of timbral variety going, um, the interest is maintained, and I think that's I I, I actually think that that's should be our, our, a more primary focus. In, well, like in Lissette said, education. with with electronic uh, uh, electronic in general, but electronic dance music in particular, it's definitely timbre and also rhythm and pulse i mean there's that yeah. whole it is dance music but but in, in terms of the tones and their qualities yeah really it's timbre a- far more than like tonal or harmonic yeah content. and i think a lot of our subjective taste draws upon our our preferences of timbre a lot um and and i can think of of several pieces of music that I wouldn't necessarily think are the best composed pieces of music or anything like that, but that I love listening to because of those those sound qualities, those colors maybe that are in the music. Well, and if you look at, you know, uh, uh, Debussy, like La Mer is, I think, 1903, 1905, when it was finally premiered. And uh, uh, I want to find an excerpt. I'm going to put an excerpt right here. Okay. can hear the the obvious fascination with timbre in that clip and it's wonderful music if you don't know it uh but um uh the the composers who came after him certainly stravinsky and were fascinated with timbre but then also you have it was certainly uh serendipitously timed for him to put that idea out there because within a few decades you have the earliest electronic instruments yeah. and you have uh, musicians, composers, and other creators working at the kind of level well, the you're harmonium is like 1904, Well, right? and with recorded music, yeah. you also are able to listen to sound a little bit more intimately than you would have before unless you were sitting right next to the instruments creating the sound or whatever. Right, and of course you get a few decades into it and you're creating recordings. You're not creating music to be performed. And so timbre becomes, you know, hugely... Yeah. variable so anyway so yeah coming back, back to around the synthesis, to the synthesis we haven't we haven't actually subtracted anything yet so we've just, we've just generated, <laughs> we've generated a wave yes. a waveform and possibly um yeah that's it that's, yeah, all, we've that's all we've done that's all we've done we've looked okay. at some some waveforms so i've got still got a let's let's get back in the mid-range okay so this is we got a sawtooth back again and so here's the subtractive part what i've got right now is a low pass filter so this is going to cut uh, the higher harmonics off of it at a slope. It only allows the low things to exactly, pass. Exactly, the low things pass. And um, the, the slope is 24 decibels per octave. That means at the cutoff point, from the cutoff point, those, uh, those portions of the signal are moved by a rate of 24 decibels each octave over the cutoff point. Okay? okay. Slope matters a little bit. Or quite a bit, but for our purposes, a little bit. So um, I'm just going to cut off some of this. So that's basically pushing the sound down down towards only its fundamental. Yeah, because like right around, right around here, all we got is a sine. A sine wave. So that's just fundamental. Yeah. So you're 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 turning a saw. Now we're opening it up into the saw. Yeah. Do it. Now now go really slowly back out of the the fundamental. So we're we're actually below the fundamental. So that's like adding timbre to a sound. Right. And because, and I mean, like, no matter what you play, cool. if, it, if it's just like this, if the timbre never changes, 
it's boring. Like, right? So it could be the most interesting pitch content in the world. Yeah. And but uh, one feature of filters is that they can be resonant, which means that right at the cutoff point, they're going to make the sound a little bit louder. And um, I don't know if you've noticed. I wanted to talk about you. You'd ask if we can. If this is similar to acoustic instruments. I think that subtracting the higher fun, the higher overtones and going down to fun, fundamental is a very natural type of sound for us because that's how it sound attenuates through the air. And then also if you're like hitting something and then you mute it a little bit, it's the same process. Like like muting something, actually what you're doing is mostly removing overtones and adding a little bit of resonance. Okay, right? okay. Um, so we have, even though even though the synthesizer is a, a built, you know, technological yeah. instrument. It's very intuitive, it's and that's why you don't have to worry about the math. And it works on the same principles <laughs> yeah. that, okay. Some of the synthesis methods are all math, but uh, not this one. So this is what happens when you resonate. So right now, right at the top end, you're starting to hear a little sizzle. Okay, we're going to get right to the point of self-oscillation. Is this still a low-pass filter? Yep. Now I want to go down through it. If I got in the right place, right there, because I want to self-oscillate. You hear that? Now it's stepping because it's digital and it's MIDI. You know? But do you hear how the the overtones are being? So those those are the overtones. That's so that's I'm hearing what they a pitch are. above the pitch that's changing. Yeah. So you're just you're just running up and down and making the overtones more yeah. obvious. Yeah. <coughs> so and what it's what doing is at the top of the low pass filter. Yeah. The top of what it allows. Mm-hmm. It's making that louder. It's being emphasized. So you're picking it. Do that again because this is a demonstration of. Works better. On like you can, we're literally rendering the. It's like shining the the UV light on the hotel room. <laughs> We're making the things you normally can't hear obvious. That's self-oscillating a little bit, so it's getting some stuff in between. But for the most part, you can hear when it hits the resonant frequencies. We're going to try this now with a uh, square wave, and hopefully we'll be able to hear those missing harmonics. I can hear how it's skipping, where the other one went through them sequentially. Yeah. And if we change the duty cycle, that would also change. So that's that's basically how how it works. And so you can hear those overtones. So when you add resonance to a filter, Mm -hmm. you're you're highlighting overtones. Yeah. Well, and this is when people do overtone singing. This is exactly the same. This is what they're doing with their voice. Yeah. So they're creating that fundamental with the folds, and then using their resonating spaces to change that those upper things. And it sounds exactly kind of like what your synthesizer just did. You can hear a bass pitch with other pitches that are much higher above it, and you can manipulate either one um, and move it in either directions and either direction and it's a lot like the way you use like a a brass instrument where you can just pick on different partials um from that that fundamental and so you have a lot of different options you can either move the fundamental to get to a new overtone or you can move the overtone within within the same fundamental so that's the sort of basic technique of subtractive synthesis and i haven't really done anything with the envelope generators where we can actually hear how it's done in time which is really where the exciting aspects of timbre right, that's that in. horizontal part yeah, of timbre and transients and there's there's uh yeah but i think overall it's just timbre is so intricate and variable and there's so many things about it that it's very hard to pin down yet it's such a fundamental aspect of every part of every day in terms of communication and what we listen to and we just never really think about it well it's another one of those you know, parts of, of sound and of musical sound, especially that's in this incredibly complex set of phenomena that we all manipulate and use and, and, and send and receive in different ways, like every day and, and have no idea the kind of complexity that our organism is dealing with and performing and processing aren't brains awesome on a regular basis. Yeah. And our whole, our whole, you know, embodied organism, the way it all works in in concert to do that, and then we figured out how to like make like machines that do be that. Gods, too. yeah, and make yeah. these machines in our image that do these things, but but on an even grander scale because they can do them without the kind of limits of our physicality. If you've never listened to music, 
with an ear toward timbre before, or even listen to your own speaking voice in your conversations with an ear toward timbre before. Hopefully, maybe we've sparked that interest for you. Um, uh, as always, you can find us on, uh, I think, was this the only time I said it, th- this episode? I, I think so. Well, Seth's yeah. notice I have a verbal tick of as always when I intro and outro. He finds comfort in Well, as always, he said as, as always. As always. I always say as always. You can find us on iTunes. You can subscribe or you can subscribe on uh, SoundCloud as well. Uh, if you uh, want to give us some feedback, drop us a line. Loose filter at gmail.com talk to us Uh, we'd love to hear from you Uh, otherwise we will see you next episode